Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I am mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But for me, Dan, the annuals, you know, I kind of love them like a sister, but I don't think they count. <laughs> they count as much as Peter's marriage to Mary Jane. <laughs> there we go. I, 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 they, they count with a lowercase c, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Our lowercase a in the annuals case. Oh. Uh, well, anyway, this is the Amazing Spider Talk with a capital A-S-T. The show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of The Amazing Spider Talk, which is bound to be not controversial at all in any way, especially with an opening like that. I hate these episodes where nothing controversial happens, Dan, but... Either way, if you want to hear about all of our episodes and swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, you should subscribe to us on Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Yeah, this podcast exists because of the support of our Patreon members. If you want to receive early episodes, exclusive artwork, and keep this podcast going, go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and consider joining our Patreon. Today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 6, Number 20. This issue is written by Joe Kelly. This issue's cover is by John Romito Jr., Marcio Menez, and Scott Hanna. The interior artwork is by Terry Dodson on pencils and colors, and Rachel Dodson on inks, and of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue was first released on February 22nd, 2023. Mark, I'm looking forward to hearing your recap of this issue, considering that it has been interpreted many different ways. So let's hear your recap for Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 6, Number 20. Thank you kindly, Dan. Okay. We open with Spider-Man, Black Cat, White Rabbit, and Kareem squaring off against the Silicon Six turned five. We didn't get that moniker for them in the last issue. We got it in the issues recap page. But if I learned anything from the past few months, it's that the recap page is the hot place to get things like major plot points that aren't actually in the text anymore. So we get a not nearly as clever riff on for Asgard, for Midgard, for myself with the baddies before flashing over to some smiling Terry Dodson women despite all the chaos and violence going on around them. There's just patter on patter on patter, and White Rabbit tells Felicia she can do better than Spidey. More patter and patter, and Kareem is going off on a soliloquy, which leads the goblin guy to go, Why are you talking like we're not here? And I have to admit, I agree with the bad guy here. Kareem is now prying with Spidey about Black Cat, and Spidey is not having any of it. 
back to the ladies and white rabbit is digging in some more on the love advice and the patter just keeps coming including an exchange about calling a woman a bro and you just can't find clever dialogue like this anymore folks everyone is still just fighting like seriously it's a big melee in the snow with everyone making fun of the person on the left i i really can't summarize it any better than that White Rabbit puts the moves on Spider-Man while the backside of Felicia looks on. Way to work <laughs> that one in, Terry. <laughs> There's a break in the action, and Spider-Man is working out a deal here. No one has to go to jail if he gets 25% of their profits. Interesting. But just like that, Michael, a.k.a. Fake Mysterio, is alive. You see, he just faked his death as a loyalty test. White Rabbit punches him in the groin, which is a reminder that Barney's movie might have had heart, but a White Rabbit punch in the groin has a White Rabbit punch in the groin. You get that reference, Dan? No, okay. I'm not it's, sure it's, I did, but I'll let a, you continue. It's a Simpsons reference. Look up look up the, the, the critic crossover. It's great. Anyway, the Silicon Six are trucked, are trucked up, and then there's an explosion, I guess. Did I get that one right, Dan? My goodness, this comic. Okay, it's cleared up in a few pages. The tech exploded, but the obnoxious kids are still going to jail. Okay, so Kareem is starting to get sick of White Rabbit, almost always killing him, and I'd probably sympathize if I had any reason to care about this character in the last two issues. So that brings us to an exchange between Black Cat and Peter that absolutely, in no shape or form, broke the internet, so I don't even know if it's consequential for me to describe it. Ah, what the hey. So the two have a moment, and Peter starts to wax poetic about his feelings for MJ, first describing her as a sister, which is certainly one way to look at it, for sure. But then he says his love has changed, and that it might be more of a love with a lowercase l, so that earns Peter a kiss from Felicia, who follows up with some real word salad about Peter not telling her the truth, but telling himself it. So they swing off to take a dip in the hot tub, and the internet never spoke of these two pages ever again. The end. <laughs> All right, Mark, I think that there's no other way to start this than like getting into those final few pages of this issue because, you know, the internet was obsessed with it. And honestly, I, I weighed in on the internet, which like I am remiss to do. And yet still find myself uh, inserting myself into that dialogue for better I mean, or worse. I mean, Dan, it's interesting. Like I was like digging through the archives of the Slack and I found you like kind of calling me out for getting too fired up sometimes about this kind of stuff. And yet I feel like you're the one who's going to get fired up here. So do, do you want to step up onto your soapbox or am I misinterpreting how you're about to go here? No, I, I think I'm going to soapbox a little bit here. I feel like talking about Spider-Man Twitter. I don't want this podcast to be dominated by that, but it's really hard to avoid like this kind of thing. And it's, it's also why I think Mark, you and I created this show is to be kind of like a reasonable, rational alternative to the kind of like hot take violent anger that seems to dominate uh, Spider-Man discussions on the internet. And, you know, it doesn't help that, you know, the night before this comic came out, AIPT published the like third to last page of this comic 
without the follow-up. So just the speech between Spider-Man and Felicia about MJ being considered like a sister to him. And, you know, I read that page and I thought to myself, you know, first of all, I didn't want to read that page. People were sending me that page on Twitter, so there was no avoiding it. And when I told people to not send me spoilers, they lost their chill with me because, like, I have a Spider-Man show and they therefore said, I deserve to have to weigh in on 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 this. And spoilers my be was, damned, Dan. <laughs> and my whole point was, I don't want to read it before I read it in the comic. And yet there it was right in front of me and there was no avoiding it at that point. So, okay. So I'm reading it and I read this dialogue and I'm like, well, this isn't good. Like, I, I don't think that this is in context, but like, if this is just the page, I don't like this. This has not been earned. And... I would say, for the most part, my opinion on that continues. I don't think most of the stuff with this black cat relationship has been earned within the Wells run. But that's completely separate from how the internet collectively lost its cool before they had even read the comic, which I don't think is fair to the comic. Not that I think that the comic is especially good, but I think you like at least owe the comic to read it in entirety before we lose our collective cool about this thing. And, you know, whether my reading is accurate or not, I did have uh, uh, of Joe Kelly respond to me about a reading that I did of, of, of this saying that my reading was what he intended. Did he communicate what he intended on the page? I would argue no. I think with a good faith reading, you could read this page and come to the conclusion that this is not a Peter who is describing Mary Jane as no longer the love of his life but someone that he is kind of forcing himself reluctantly to move on from for whatever reason. You might be frustrated with the mystery angle of all of this. You might be, you know, frustrated with a Peter is not with Mary Jane. At this point, I consider those preferences, right? Like I think Mark, you and I have both agreed. We would have preferred that this not be a big mystery story. That's a choice that we, that we feel. And until that story concludes itself, I'm not really going to judge the mystery stuff. I can say this issue is hurt by the mystery, which I think it is. I, I don't know about that creative decision yet until that story wraps itself up. I think there's a way to criticize this for being poorly written, but not lose your cool. That This is some Marvel editorial thing. And the, the whole internet decided to march down my collective throat about this. Am I, am I describing this accurately? Like the rollout of these pages? I see this as a couple of ways. I'm not one to turn away from a soapbox myself. So if you can indulge me for a few seconds here, you know, like, I mean, first of all, like in terms of like the the spoiler and being forced to react to a spoiler. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show. I mean, it, it is just that's just poor form in terms of criticism and in any kind of shape or form. I mean, like to expect that from you or to, 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 I mean, people who, whether it be movies, TV, comics, whatever, people who make judgments and criticisms of content without actually seeing and reading the whole thing. I, I really have no respect for you. It's that simple. I just have no respect for you or your opinions because that's just a shortcut and it's a very cheap shortcut. And it's like, it just shows that you're not good at criticism, period. Like, so there you go. Like, I'm just saying that. My favorite response to all this was, well, the editor should not have allowed this to see the page 
because they knew people would take it out of context and read it that way. And it's like that, like you could do that with anything. Like you could say like, Oh, remember that the bad lip reading channel, people shouldn't speak like words could get put in their mouth because it could be taken out of context. Like that's just not a fair reading of a comic. This is this. These are disingenuous arguments from disingenuous people who want to be angry, Dan. And like, I, I'm not trying to be glib and dismissive of it, but it is what it is. Like, I, you know, there there might be some intelligent, well reasoned people who are getting caught up in this, but I, I think they are a very small minority, frankly. And you know, if you are in that small minority and you listen to that show and you are offended by me grouping you in with these people. I apologize, but the fact of the matter is the the vocal majority here that is be are, who are being disingenuous with their criticism here. I like I said, I have no respect for you. I just don't. Like I'm at that point with with this. And so let's now talk about the actual content and, you know, once again relitigate da, 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 the marriage. So, first off, like as you said, Dan, like, let's look at facts versus feelings here. Facts on the page here. This how this whole scene unfolds is not well written, is not well laid out. It's 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 very frustrating to read, not because of the words on a page, but because, like you said, none of this feels earned. There There is no story to back any of this up. Both Peter's dynamic with MJ, Peter's dynamic with Felicia. Like, you know, we just kind of plop them into this relationship. The last two issues. I mean, I know there was like some hintings of, you know, oh, I want to ask around on a date before that. But like the, the, there, there has been no work that's been done here. And like that's that is a, an obvious glaring error that would be disingenuous for us, for us to ignore. To your other point, and I know we'll get into this a little later on the show, the storytelling in this scene especially is very undercut by the whole mystery box of this entire run because it, and we've talked about this in past issues, especially with like some of the Norman Osborn dialogue where we're, we're basically like, we're watching co- characters have a conversation, but they're not having real conversations because they are actually not allowed to say the things that are ha- that have happened because that's part of the mystery. And this is again, you know, you can call it a preference, but like I, I think from a storytelling standpoint, why mystery boxes tend to fail in terms of execution because then you get painted into a corner in situations like this, and it hurts the story. So like, like let's just get that out of the way. With that said. Say they did the work. Say there's no mystery box undermining this. And say that Marvel editorial, the writer, you know, Zeb Wells, Joe Kelly, Nick's, uh, Nick Spencer, Dan Slott, whoever, made the decision that Peter had moved on from MJ, had now has watched his love evolved to her from romantic love to a sisterly love or a friendship love, a love with a lowercase l, however you want to describe it, say that the work was done and that these words on the page appeared in that, you know, with that context. My response to that is, so what? Move on, people, because you know damn well, Dan, that the same people who were getting outraged about this would be getting outraged about it in that context. And that's where I also am starting to lose my patience for this argument. This obsession with having to keep these two characters together because it worked in certain contexts and 
and basically undermining any attempt to tell a story where they're not together anymore because of how you feel about it and how you perceived it. Like, then move on, read, read the old comics, read another alt timeline. I don't care. These are not your comics. Stop reading them. Stop criticizing them. Get out of my timeline on Twitter. I'm sick of it. Move on, people. It's obsessive and it's weird. I'm sorry, Dan. It's weird. It, it has serious Zack Snyder's Justice League energy behind it. Like, it, it, it's just like uh, this ongoing irrational thing. And, and the real thing about it that makes it so painful for me is that, like, I started reading these comics when they were a couple. I like Spider-Man and Mary Jane as a couple, like I, 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 I like the marriage. So do I, I Dan. So comics. do I. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, I'm not, def- I'm not defending, you know, that them being like apart. Like, I thought it was a really bad choice. Like, especially at the end of the JMS run, where like it was probably written better than it ever was. Like, it wasn't a good choice. But here's the thing: like, it's not going to be undone at this point. Like, it's just not. And m- maybe it will in 20 years or whatever. But for right now, it's not. And so you can't like burn, you can't go into every Spider-Man comic ready to tear it to pieces because of that choice that's outside of everybody's hands, right? There is some reason it cannot be so. And I think there's good and well-articulated reasons for it to not be them not to be together. Whether we agree with it or not, like there are good reasons that people thought a lot about and made a risky endeavor, which was bound to piss people off. You know, were they probably cocky about it? Uh, Overly so? Absolutely. But like, I'm not willing to sacrifice Spider-Man on the altar of Peter and Mary Jane's marriage. Like the, the only alternative to this is like the writers just saying, well, I guess nobody gets to write Spider-Man comics until this is undone. Like my, and we've said this on the show many times, Mark is my interest is always in getting good Spider-Man comics. If you're telling me the only way Spider-Man comics can be good is for Spider-Man and Mary Jane to be married or be together. I'm sorry. I just don't think that that's true. But I mean, on, on a separate side note, I also think this story is going to be about either getting them together or resolving it in some way. Like there would not be this intense focus on them were it not interested in engaging in that in some way. Whether that be like, ultimately be not very fruitful, which I would argue the Nick Spencer run was like, yeah, the only difference with the Nick Spencer run is he arbitrarily chose to keep, get them together. It was no more meaningful than it's been here where it's arbitrarily chosen that they aren't together. Like, it, it, and, you know, and, and so what I want is interesting characters and maybe the next six issues of this book will, will give us that. I don't know. But in the meantime, Mark, because I posted a like lukewarm read of this issue where I tried to read it in good faith. These are some of the things that I heard on Twitter about myself this week. And I love reading what people think about me. I I heard that I'm angling to write amazing Spider-Man and this is my way of buttering up Wells. Yeah. Like that's a reality. Okay. That I have an agenda to remove Mary Jane from the comics that I'm a simp for a different female comic waifu, and therefore I want MJ removed from the comic. That I'm not married, and therefore don't know that problems exist into marriage, which is laughable. I'll tell my wife about that one. That I'm pro-Spidey editorial. 
that apparently, Mark, that you and I get free comics from Marvel in order to review these positively. Here's one that I'm a misogynist for liking the comics from the Wells run. And this one, this last one to me really kind of irks me because it's maybe the most cynical of all, which is I was told that I only give these books positive reviews because I need to butter up the creative team so that they'll come on our show, which is laughable in a number of ways. Cause one, they don't come on our show and I invite them all the time. So clearly my plan isn't working and two, anyone who listens to the show knows we tear these comics to pieces. Like it's the same editorial team that did the Nick Spencer run, which we didn't like. Like I was about to, I was about to say the, these are these people must like listen to our show as carefully as they read these comics, and which is to say that they don't. And again, I have no respect for you, for people who cast judgments based on no information and, and, he, and here's the other thing mark is like even if that were the case and it's not the case right like here's the real here's the real thing that they're missing is you know what the difference is and the reason that joe kelly responded to my twitter thread even though i was critical of him in that twitter thread is because we're respectful and you you cannot like something and be respectful i saw people issuing threats to the creators of this comic, even to Zeb Wells, who didn't write this comic when this came out. I saw a guy wish them eternal genital warts for writing this comic. Okay. Like, like, uh, and what's the, what's their response to that going to be only to double down on what they're doing now. So like the difference isn't that I'm like trying to like change my opinion to butter these people up. It's that I'm respectful when I don't like something and they feel safe talking to me about it. That's the reason we created the show. And, you know, the, the other thing is we're much more beholden to our listeners. We have a Patreon where people pay us to hear our opinion. If I'm lying about my opinion, then like I'm really underselling what we're offering of value on the show. So anyway, that really pissed me off. And to your point about people not reading the comic, boy, I read a lot of tweets this week about how wrong it was for Spider-Man to let the villains go at the end of this comic when explicitly the end of the comic is him saying no black cat, we're going to go after them and they're going to go to jail. We just don't get to see it yet. So it's like people aren't even reading this stuff. They just want to attack you and be violent online. And I would encourage anybody that's listening to this. First of all, this made me love our community so much because I never get these emails. It's not in our Slack. Like I, I can avoid this and I don't even know why I'm on Twitter when the Slack exists. But like, if you're one of these people that felt the need, you listened to our show, you felt the need to make these tweets or reach out to these people in this way, I would encourage you to really like take a second look at how you respond to these comics. These are real people who are writing these things, flawed, you know, and all. And we're going to call them out on their flaws. This is not a well-written comic, you know, but they don't deserve this kind of treatment. Anyway, end of soapbox. I'm just going to add, and you're probably going to like cringe as the as the one who who does maintain i think the piece more than than me here is that i mean first of all i agree with everything that you said 100 percent in terms of respect but like when it when it comes to people who are going to act and respond like this i'm 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 i have reached a point in this war of attrition here over the marriage and everything that that entails i'm, I'm done with it dan like i'm done i'm done being civil about it 
because, you know, I, like just five minutes before we started, I was getting someone was getting into it. They were actually responding to one of your threads. And it's like and it's like the same arguments over and over again. Nick Spencer was going to fix all this and then editorial stopped him. Says, where is that information coming from? You are making you, this again, facts and feelings, Dan. Like, I'm not trying to sound like some kind of conservative pundit here, but seriously, facts or feelings, Dan. Like, we, what are the facts? The facts are what we've had presented to us in terms of what was the story during the Nick Spencer run. Yes, he put them back together. Yes, he was going to put Sp he was going to have Spider-Man propose to her. No, it didn't happen. And that is what we know. That is the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and hopefully someday we may get an answer about that. Like, I'd love to talk to everybody involved. Like, what was Nick Spencer's pitch? Like, they don't make these comics up as they go. I mean, at least I hope that wasn't the case. I hope Nick Spencer had gone to Nick Lowe and presented a pitch and said, this is what I want to do. And he that was approved at some point. Like, all I'll, Dan, all I will say to that, and I don't mean to cut you off, but all I will say to that is like, like you know, search search the internet from 2007 and J. Michael Straczynski, and there are pages upon pages upon pages of, of interviews with, J, with JMS talking about why everything that happened happened in in one more day was against his wishes so like the fact of the matter is like I, I, look there could be reasons and non-disclosures i don't know man i like it's a different error it's it's 15 16 years later but the fact of the matter is like i feel like if people want to be squeaky wheels about this stuff they would be and they haven't been on this. They really haven't been. Like it's sh it's shocking for something that has been considered so quote unquote controversial that it's been as tight lipped as it is. Which leads me to believe I don't think there's much there there. I hate to be that way, Dan, but I just don't because I feel like it's in, it's impossible to me that nothing has started to leak out about this in any real way. I can't believe we're still talking about this, but like I, I want I'll put my final note of this is like if if people really like want to champion Nick Spencer and what he might have done. Maybe take it up with Nick Spencer. Like Nick Lowe isn't the guy to be bugging about it. If anything, if Nick Spencer pulled the escape hatch and left early, Nick Lowe is doing the best he can to clean that up. You know, like take it up with Nick Spencer that the plan wasn't con concluded. Like if he wants to come forward, he's the guy to talk about it. You know? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, back, back to facts. But Nick Spencer feelings. doesn't give interviews, Dan. That's the issue. So instead, we're just gonna like summarize and 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 presume and assume and attack people on Twitter who we disagree with. And I'm I'm tired of it. Like Twitter, Dan. <laughs> you said it earlier. Twitter sucks, man. I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> it's it sucked before Elon. I gotta tell you. I mean, you know, like it's so like it come to the come to the light side. Although I don't spend nearly as much time in Slack as you do. Speaking of which, why don't we talk about the Slack? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mark, tell us about the Slack. Oh, sure. Oh, that's right. This is my cue now. Hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Dan, what the heck's been going on in the Slack this week? Because I would have no idea, right? Well, no, that's the thing, Mark. You've been going on in the Slack this week. And that's what I want to bring up is like, you guys, I think we did it. We we got Mark into the Slack. We got him. The, the final meltdown of being tagged in enough threads with me on Twitter. Mark decided we're going into the Slack. And Mark, tell us, like, what's your experience with the Slack been like? 
I mean, generally, I think it's 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 a great place. I mean, there are definitely some like people there that like to call out the certain sports teams that I like, which you know, <laughs> like I mean, that's fun. And like I said in the in the beginning of our review, Dan, I was going backwards and like I saw this one comment from you, like I don't know how Mark would react to interviewing certain people. He might just get fired up and yell at them or something like that. And I was like, I Dan, don't think how, that, that, Dan, how a, could you? How could you betray me? <laughs> that's a gross mischaracterization. That's a gross mischaracterization. Whatever. At you, Dan. At you. Okay. <laughs> like, like, totally assuming that Mark would never see it because he won't come on this site. Anyway. Hey, I tagged you in it, so I was hoping you'd see it. <laughs> the fact is, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Great community of people. Very respectful conversations. It's not an echo chamber by any stretch. I think you should join the Slack and hang out, and you might even get some engagement from me from time to time. And if not, I'll just make fun of Dan on the Slack, because I like doing that, too. I like doing that on the show. I like doing that with Available Alan, and now I can do it in the Slack. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, if that's not an ad to come join our Slack, like, uh, I don't know what is. Mark is officially there now, and yeah, there should be a link in the description to this episode that'll get you into the Slack. Somehow it remains uh, not toxic after all of this time. Let's get back to the comic. Mark, you wanted to talk about Joe Kelly and his writing of Spider-Man. You know, this is a guy that, like, I think has been given, like, a, a, a lot of wax at that mantle, you know? We've talked about The Rage of the Rhino, one of our favorite modern Spidey stories written by Joe Kelly back in the Brand New Day run. You know, he was a part of the Brand New Day team. I think that story of his probably stood out amongst others. But since then, he's been given, like... Spider-Man Deadpool and he got a recent nonstop Spider-Man and Savage Spider-Man. And, you know, I think those books have been really hit and miss more on the miss side. What do you, what do you think about this guy as a writer of Spider-Man? I know you want to talk about this. Let me start by saying like, I, you know, going back and reading like late nineties Deadpool with Joe Kelly at the helm. I mean, it's like, there's like, like no better comics in my opinion. Like that, that is like quintessential, you know, meta breaking the breaking the fourth wall comics. It's brilliant stuff. And Joe Kelly is is the reason that happened. The the Rage of the Rhino story, like you mentioned from Brand New Day, was a fantastic Spider-Man story. But I feel like like as you mentioned, as you start looking more and more at that body of work, and there is a body of work here. It's a substantial body of work in terms of Joe Kelly writing Spider-Man. And it's like I like to refer to it as kind of like the Deadpoolification of of Spider-Man. Maybe it's maybe it's the robot chickenification of Spider-Man. I don't know, but it's this what I'm referring to here is, you know, Spider-Man for all intents and purposes is a quote-unquote funny character. There's a sense of humor there. There's a lightness there. That's not that's undeniable. I think it's also worth remembering at the core of Spider-Man as a character is this is a character that is born out of tragedy, is born out of the fact that he bears a responsibility because of something that he did not do that led him to this life of, of superhero. So that, you know, even on the smaller scale, there are there are stakes and, and, and there is there is drama to what he does and how he decides to do it and the kinds of villains he fights and the people that he's friends with. And I feel like if you look at these some of these stories by Joe Kelly specifically, because it's the most recent and like like, you know, even reaching back further, like I feel like the Chip Sadarsky run on Spectacular had this kind of vibe to it. I think, you know, I was worried, frankly, that Zeb Wells 
was going to be this way on Spider-Man. And I think for the most part, he avoided doing it. But we saw it in spades during the Dark Web storyline. It's like this, like, like over sillyfication, over silliness of Spider-Man. This like, you know, I, I, I feel like with this issue specifically with with Kelly's dialogue, it's like I kept talking in the synopsis about the patter, 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 patter. Like I felt like like this was like. This this whole story was like hopped up on speed and that there was basically like a whole lot of nothing happening the entire story. Like like the, 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 the each page reads to me like it's like a combination of like a 30 Rock episode and a Family Guy episode where we're like we're cutting back and forth and back and forth. And here's a quip and here's a quip and here's a quip and here's a quip. But like in terms of like what actually happens in the story, the plot's very thin. There's not much. There's not much happening. It's they're 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 fighting in snow. That's the story. They they're fighting in snow. Then there's two really controversial pages, and then like you said, even the ending is I don't want to say unclear, but it's it's there there is a vagueness to the ending about what happens next because it's nothing is nothing is written clearly. It's all obsessed with the next joke and making some kind of random pop culture reference. You know, Bob Motts to Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue. I mean, like what is this? Like this doesn't. Feel true to Spider-Man as a character at all. It, it is taking the idea of humor and and turning it to a level that is inappropriate. And I don't mean like inappropriate, like oh, these this this is bad taste. I just mean like inappropriate, like inappropriate for the character. Like this is not how these characters should be talking. And this is this is what we're getting. Like there's no real inner monologue. It's just quip 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 quip. And I, like to me, it's very unenjoyable reading Spider-Man in this fashion. Like I I I I hate that this is a trend that has like developed over time because it it frustrates me endlessly. Because like I want to I want to hear Peter. I want to hear the drama. I want to hear the indecisiveness. I want to hear the the doubt and and the trauma that comes with Peter. And I want to hear him use his humor as a defense mechanism. And that, like, I'm not trying to have ownership of the character. I'm not doing that route. But I'm saying I feel the character is written best when it's written in that light. Do you have any take on this whatsoever? No, I, I feel very much the same way. I mean, like, it's the kind of thing where the patter is so consistent that it just kind of washes over you. Not, none of it stands out. It's just kind of a barrage of of loosely formed jokes that are more like asides than set up and, and punchlines. You know, I think, I think about like, like what are the Spider-Man jokes that stand out over the past 10 years? The, the one that probably stands out to me the most is like, is that your man purse with, with the goblin? And look, I don't love the heteronormity of that joke, but it's a funny joke. It stands out because it's in the middle of like weighty drama, no matter what I thought of that issue. Like, you know, it, 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 it that that's what punctuates, you know, but here, you know, I mean, Yes, this is a different situation. This is like a date, a flirty date book. And so I'm kind of with it for for most of this idea. But like the jokes are just really insubstantial little bits that don't really feel like born out of character. I think the teen Vogue Bon Mots is the one that like lost me. And like the white rabbit like flirting with, with Spider-Man in order to make Felicia jealous. It's just it's not taking any of this very seriously and maybe it shouldn't. They're fighting this like group of, you know, people borrowing costumes and stuff like that. But it's just, it's real fluff. I mean, it's real fluff and not very memorable. Like, you know, I just, the jokes washed over me. My bigger problem with Joe Kelly and especially in something like nonstop Spider-Man where you've got something like Chris Bacalo's art 
which can often be like hard to discern without like a writer to really crystallize what he's doing and his very complicated layouts is that like I find Joe Kelly's writing often to be very elliptical in style. Like he never gets directly to the point of what he's trying to say. It's always filtered through something that feels too clever by a half. And so it often feels really confusing and indirect. Like for example, the controversial final two pages, like where Felicia says like, you were lying to me about the truth you were telling yourself. What does that even mean? Like, yeah, I, 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 call I them read that word salad. It's word it salad. Is, Dan. <laughs> it's word salad. And I, you know, there's a reading of this. That's like, Oh, well, I guess they're not a couple anymore. And they've just decided to just be friends or like friends with benefits. Or there's a reading of this that's like, well, now we've solidified our relationship and we're officially dating. And it's like, well, actually, by the end of the issue, I'm not sure which it is. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I want to be as upset as those people online, but I don't know whether I should or not. Like, I can't even read the writing. And so, like, I, I find a lot of it really incomprehensible. You know, the little kernels of plot that we get, I kind of like. Like, I like the Mysterio switcheroo and Spider-Man tricking him out and being assertive about being on the Avengers and trying to like use his kind of creepiness as a way to trick the criminals. Like that stuff could have been really like interesting if I bought into the drama at all. And instead I'm just like really trying to parse what to take away out of, out of this. I do think that like the pencils being so loose also makes it fairly confusing. There's this image where like, like after Spider-Man is kind of tripped up Mysterio where all of the six villains are standing in a row and Felicia's standing in front of them. And then the next panel, it's the same thing, but they're covered in snow. What happened? Did a snowplow drive past them? Like, why are they all covered in snow all of a sudden? I, I, it's like, it's so hard to make out, like, what is occurring? Even if I did like Dodson's layouts, which I think flow really smoothly. But together, you like, we've got this very confused comic. And if I were, like, if I were the editor, like, my first note wouldn't be hey, can you get rid of the Felicia Peter thing? It would be, hey, like, what the hell do you mean to say here? Like, what are you trying? Like, maybe we should be more precious about a moment this important to make sure that people are understanding what we're trying to say. Because like Joe Kelly confirmed that my initial take on this was accurate. But every time I read, read the book, I'm like, actually, I think I was wrong. So is Joe Kelly wrong? I don't know. Right. Yeah, I mean, a moment like that shouldn't be open to interpretation. I mean, you got to, you know, like the text needs to spell it out. And, and you know, like, I think you describing it as elliptical is perfect. And like, that's that is what I, I you know, it, it just feels very, you know, again, like, I, I don't even want to call it sitcom because it's not it's not sitcom in the way I would call it, like multicam sitcom. It's just like, like I said, like this, like rapid fire, like how many bits can we pack into and a, a page kind of mindset, which I know is kind of like, you know, if you look at like modern comedic television, like that's the norm right now. That's why I talked about like robot chicken or, or family guy or, you know, something like that. It's like, it's a, like, it's all bits. It's not story. It's bits. How many bits can we work in? And like, I, and, and frankly, I feel like if you actually go all the way back to Deadpool during that era that Joe Kelly was writing it, it was very subversively funny but it it wasn't all bits and i but if you go with deadpool now it's all bits you know what i mean like deadpool is all bits like it, it it's this and and like i just feel like 
if this is the direction comedic superhero comics is going in, it like I think you have to be very judicious in how you want to deploy that kind of 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 narrative storytelling because it's it's gonna it's gonna click it might click for some characters but it's not gonna click for everyone and I just don't think it clicks for Spider Man I mean simple as that and I think it's complicated by the mystery box approach here where you know I think it, this these two issues were the ones I felt like most hurt by the mystery box approach and I and it's unfortunate because I think there's something thematically rich going on here if you know if my read on this is accurate which is like my my read on this issue is it's about Peter who is still in love with MJ doesn't want to admit it because he's kind of being forced to move on right like whatever he and Norman did which we're going to find out in the next few issues has, has brought MJ back she can't be with Peter and we've all been in that situation before in our lives I would imagine uh, although Mark you, you and Aaron have been together for since such a young age, maybe not, but like where you get into a relationship somewhat with someone and that relationship ends and the feelings aren't mutual, you know, like someone breaks up with you and you still love them and you have to kind of wake up and you don't immediately hate them the next day. You, you still feel something for them. And so, you know, we saw that I think at the beginning of this run, Peter is stalking MJ and he's not really sure why he has to keep a distance from her. And she's not being 100% clear with him about that. It's responsibility. It's not about you, Peter. You know, and so we're watching Peter try to tell himself that he can move on and be with Black Cat. Even though in his heart he knows, like, that his heart is for MJ. But he knows he has to move on. Like, he just has to. Right? And I think we've all been in that situation it's just delivered in such a confusing way here that it makes it hard to like want to apply that real world metaphor to this that I think could make it deeply emotional in the way that superhero comics can be when you remove the, you know, tentacled arms and guy who can shoot electricity out of his fingers and stuff. There's often a real world metaphor, which makes them thematically rich. Full stop agreement with you. I mean, what, what I will add to, the mystery box conversation and look, I'm not trying to be melodramatic here, but like we're supposed to get a conclusion or, or a revelation of some semblance in this next arc. And, and all I can say to that, and I say this under the, the, the preface of we were also supposed to get conclusions with kindred at various points during the next Spencer run. Like, like, Marvel, I like. I think a lot is riding on this storyline and this resolution. And by that, I mean like, like I'm not going to sit here and be like, it better be good. Like it's not like I'm not not going there because good is subjective. But like I I feel this story has reached a point, and and this is this, these are all self inflicted wounds because of how they have chosen to unfurl this narrative where like they have to pay this off in some way they have they 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 if, if this is a if this is a psych out and and a, and a bait and switch and we're going to keep this thing going another whatever issues like i'm out dan like and i mean i'll still review the issues with you but like <laughs> like because you know i'm a sucker because they're paying me to, to do it by giving yeah me that's comics. it and you're getting all that free marvel issues in in the mail yeah. yeah yeah but like i mean you know like i i i you know you i feel like you have certainly been kinder 
to this run than I have, but I have legitimately liked this run with the with the caveat of like I don't really like that they're doing this mystery box and that this is where it's driving towards because it's because of situations like this. It's like they have they have told <clears throat> in my opinion, I feel like the story has reached its natural conclusion. We have gotten so much information now without actually having the information that is relevant to why this is all happening. You know what I mean? We have the stuff with Norman. We have the stuff with MJ. We have the stuff with Paul. We have the kids. It's like, uh, you know, enough's enough. Like we have to start, you know, they've been keeping the cards close to the vest. They have to start showing the cards. At this point in the story, if they don't start showing the cards in a real tangible way, it's 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 just unfair story playing. The game is not the game no longer is fun for the reader. It's it's it becomes frankly masturbatory for writers and editorial to keep the game going at this point. You know, like you have to just, you know, be be forward with it and and start and start showing where you're going with all this. And hey, I may like it. I may not like it. I don't know. We'll see. That's that's what the that's what the show is for. But like, I need to see a direction now. That's the bottom line. Like, it, it, like if I see a direction and I don't like it, I'm still in. I'm gonna evaluate and criticize accordingly. If there is just no direction whatsoever, and it's and it's a it's a it's a bait and switch. Like like you have you have officially lost my faith, Zeb Wells, and you have definitely lost my faith. Nick Lowe. Like, it just comes down to that. It's as simple as that, Dan. I'm not trying to, like, lay an ultimatum because who cares what I have to say, but, like, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't know how you feel in that regard. I don't know if you're there yet, but I am. Well, I mean, I think I could get there. I think my take has always been, I'm going to judge these comics based on how I feel in the given moment. For these two issues, they've been hurt by the mystery box. But up until this point, it hasn't bothered me because it hasn't been the focus of the issues, right? Like, it, like the Norman thing took precedent and that has been really interesting to me. And I think the stories involving that have been exceptionally strong. And we've got uh, several uh, stories that are like, have been exciting villain fights. I think the tombstone arc is probably the best arc of Spider-Man we've gotten since dying wish. You know, like uh, on its own and like, yeah, there are there confusing elements of it that we don't understand because of the mystery box. Yeah, but uh, like it, it didn't detract from the, the actual story being told in the moment. Right. So like it was really these two issues where the wheels started kind of coming off the 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 train in, in terms of this plan. My greatest fear ultimately is that the only reason it's been structured this way is to give a big like moment to sell the 25th and 26th issues on, which we've just now been solicited as double-sized, probably $10 issues back-to-back, you know? Like, if they're like, okay, if we hold this story so that we can put it in those issues, it'll sell doubly well, we can do something shocking, and we can sell a lot of copies of this book. If, if, if that was the impetus over, like, hey, this is the better way to tell the story, then, like, believe me, I'm going to tear those issues apart for that choice. But I want to I want to see it through to its conclusion or at least its promised conclusion to the point that it's not like destroying the stories. And I think you're right. We've arrived at that point. Right. We're, we're starting to get stories that are hurt by the mystery box. And at least for me, people's mileage is going to vary. You know, I mean, I, I I would I would just only insert that. No, I don't think the Norman Osborne stories have we're hurt by the mystery box per se, but I feel like we have also 
like in a similar vein, we have kind of reached a natural conclusion in that relationship of not knowing what the cards are. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what else, like, I don't know what else they can do between those two characters in this kind of like vague way of like, well, you know, I know I owe you one. Yeah, you know, you owe me one. And this is an uneasy alliance. Uh huh. Like, you know what I mean? Like we've 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 hit we've hit the saturation point with that, in my opinion. That's it, it just just as I feel like we've hit the saturation point with Peter and MJ. It's like now we need to know, like, what? Why is this happening? You know, because like if, if we keep working in these like in in this these vagaries it, it just creates hard storytelling it's like i just want to see the story progress that's that's the bottom line it's not about again like i'm not talking about like oh you know they need to wrap it up so that this happens and this happens and this. no that's not what like like keep telling your story i want that's if anything it's a compliment i want to hear the story <laughs> yeah like i want to know this story and like and and like i said like you know not not saying that everything is going to be kindred but you know it's the PTSD of kindred is real, Dan. I'm not going to lie like that. Like, like, cause that was something that I think was legitimately intriguing until it wasn't anymore, you know, like, and, and it, it, it became so unintriguing that when they finally did reveal it all, it was so terrible that I, I never wanted to hear the name kindred again, outside of when I make fun of it on this show. Let's not let, let's not make this kindred because I think that there's been far too much positive and potential laid out here in 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 with everything else that's been done so far to have it go down that route. So if this is me also kind of pleading with Marvel, like don't make this mistake again. Like let's 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 move your story forward. I really hope that these double issues or whatever are a sign that we're going to get so much content because we're going to move this story so much more forward now. So fingers crossed, Dad. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be especially painful to get the same mistake twice in a row, like the same devastating mistake twice in a row from editorial. And and right, we might be the fools that like keep letting them pull the football away at the last second, you know, but like I, I think our spidey sense is going off. And and so like wh whether that's because, uh, you know, Aunt May is coming around the corner and might see us putting a costume on or whatever, or someone's about to blow up a bomb, you know, uh, uh, that's to be determined. I, I do think that this was further harmed by Dark Web and the timing of that just being like such a punt down the field and a clunker of a story that I think people would be more forgiving. Did we not spend that time there? You know, the, the Norman thing doesn't bother me as much as it sounds like it does you, mainly because, like, I think I can fill in the blanks, like, 90% of the way, because, like, most of the character change occurred in the Spencer run. We saw that on the page, you know? And I think they've done a really good job of, like, telling us why Peter is there. Like, Peter says, like, I'm really there to keep an eye on him so that he doesn't repeat past sins. And that's enough for me to really go, okay, well, I'll find out what they did together. But like, I understand the motivations and the kind of character-based uh, you know, ethics behind this enough to get on board with going, I'll wait, I'll wait. But the MJ thing has to come to a, a resolution. And, and I, I think, you know, hopefully that does happen. It's a great story. And we can move on with a, a run that is just, allowing itself to play out in real time, you know, thus forward. So anyway, I feel like we've talked around this issue more than about this issue, but I think these have all been good things to talk about leading into what is 
likely to be a series of six issues that I'm ex- I, I, I'm going to be honest. I am so excited for because I think the Wells JRJR combo has been nothing but fire as we've expressed on this show. And um, I'm excited to get that answer, but I'll tell you what I'm not excited for is watching all these bad faith actors all over the internet in a story about Peter and Mary Jane, just lose it no matter what choice the editors and writers and stuff make. I thought it was worth at least chatting about all that stuff here on the show today. So Mark, what grade did you give this particular issue? Yeah. I mean, Dan, honestly, I think like if we picked an issue to talk around and not about, this was the issue. <laughs> and, and, and with that in mind, I give this issue a D plus. Cause again, like I, I, I just feel like this issue was on the struggle bus for a lot. I mean, there might've been some kernels of, of positive, comic book storytelling in there but they were really hard to find and for the most part like this was just it was just disjointed the art was unclear to me at points i mean there was some good art there was some bad there was some inconsistent art you know some sketchy art and you know like like you said like we're i'm just ready to move in a in a in a positive direction with this story and this this wasn't it you know it was it was too much of a of a, of a saw again and too much filibustering so d plus for me And I'll admit, Mark, I think you called me out last time about me being way too positive on the previous issue, giving it a B minus. And I think you're right. I I, (laughs) I think I massively overrated that issue. I think I was just like hoping for anything post dark web. Uh, This one in my heart, I think it's a C minus. I like, you know, like and maybe I'm overrating it again, but I do think there are like some fun things to be had here. And I think a book like this should be allowed to have a breezy time you know, uh, every once in a while. And, you know, the Dodson art, you know, even if he does stick people's butts in there more often than he should, you know, there's some really like nice layouts and, and, and beautiful drawings. I, I, I did hear that Terry Dodson said, this is the fastest his artwork has ever sold for a comic. I believe it. I think there's some really solid, you know, Spider-Man black cat drawings in, in this book. If, if that's, if that's your particular cup of tea anyway, so that's it. C minus from me, probably best that we bring this thing to an end. So Mark, I'll leave it in your fine hands, my capable hands. Yes, that's, that's it. Yeah, I would say it is that time, Dan time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers for tuning into this episode of the amazing spider talk. Yeah, this podcast exists because of listener support on Patreon. So if you enjoy this show and uh, want it to continue and you like our voices being voices in the Spider-Man fandom, why not consider joining our Patreon? For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including these reviews, the same weeks the comics release, exclusive artwork, and a ton of other bonuses. So a thank you to everyone who already supports us and the work that we do. But I also wanted to be sure to welcome our newest patrons, David Metz, Lightpole, Spider Mario, FJ Mack, Sammers and Philip Carson. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon and we hope you enjoy all the bonuses that you're getting out of it. Spider Mario. That's like, you know, peanut butter and chocolate, Dan, like two of my favorite things right there. Yeah, I mean, don't tell know? Dan Slott because it'll be in the next Spider-Verse uh, comic oh, and, no, and probably no. start like waging some copyright wars. 
It's a me, Spider-Man. Anyway, to download our earliest episode, including interviews with legendary creators like JMD, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Mark Bagley, and more, subscribe to our Amazing Spider Talk Back Issues podcast on Apple Podcasts. Mark, your horrible accent there, although I'll give it to you, you're more Italian than me, only reminds me, and I'll, I'll leave it here, if anybody's listening to the show and has not watched Italian Spider-Man on YouTube, I cannot recommend it enough. Anyway, this podcast episode was edited by Rick Coast. The video version of the show is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galaki. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and spider Madge, and our animated intro was created and performed by josh sutton so mark until we go beyond loving each other like sisters what's our motto with great podcasts there must also come the amazing spider talk don't, don't miss the next in-